you're ready to travel to faraway lands. I think it's cool that you get your bathrobe on and a cigar <laughs> and a mock teeny. Not yet, not yet, but the weekend is upon us and I am oh. absolutely feeling it right now. You are in tune to The Brian Oak Show, episode 269. And Exotica will always be interesting to me. You know, it doesn't have a lot of variation. Sometimes African, sometimes Polynesian, sometimes Southeast Asia, but it's all got that same. Well, you just described it perfectly. That's why I'm dressed like I am right now. How are you, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Good. It's Friday. I'm for whatever reason, even though it was a short week after the holiday weekend, right? That week of the state fair always sort of thoroughly kicks my butt mentally as well as physically. And um I feel like I've been stumbling through this week about one or two seconds behind where I'm supposed to be. Nothing seems to be fitting quite right. See, I'm still in my early 50s, so I'm feeling pretty good. But by the time you hit the mid-50s like you are, that sort of thing starts to really creep in. Is that what we call 54 now? Yeah. Mid-50s? Yeah, mid-50s. After 53, right? Then yeah. It's, okay. The, yeah, 54, 55, 56, I mid-50s. See. I yeah. see. Yeah. Well, I've got a long stretch of mid-50s out in front of me. Thanks for bringing that up. We're doing the podcast here in the Smart Start MN studios. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. That means if you get a DUI, you are going to lose your license. Sometimes just for 30 days, sometimes 60, sometimes 90, unless you really screw up. And it's going to be a long stretch of Uber rides out in front of you, unless you find out more about the ignition interlock. Yeah, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. And that will get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. On our previous podcast, episode 268, we got to meet and brought on board a brand new sponsor and partner. Um, We talked to Mr. Burgess from the Moxie uh, Wealth Management Group, and he seemed very excited to be around and be part of this. I loved his uh, song picks, too. I've actually uh, dove a little bit deeper into uh, the dispatch. Yeah, I, again, I, I blew me away that a band like that, I've never even heard their name before. I felt before. silly, too. Like I'm like, how could they have 110,000 people show up at their concert in Boston? Yep. And I haven't heard of them. Well, and again, <laughs> I wasn't trying to take quite that approach to no, it. I, no, I'm not saying but that, but even I was, if you're not, you I was know, shocked. Even if you're not chapter and verse on their songs and their yeah. lyrics, to at least have heard their name, any band that's going to pull 110K, you feel like you would have heard of before, right? I, I'm, I'm once again the nerd on the outside. That's okay. Mm. Sadly, that only gets worse with age from what I understand, but Joe is a good dude, and Joe helps people with wealth management. Maybe people don't understand what it means, or maybe you think like, well, I don't have enough money or enough resources or this sort of thing to be able to actually think about what the rest of my life, my financial life looks like, and Joe was cool. I, Joe, I think the thing I like about Joe is Joe has the right attitude about this, because I don't know garbage about finances, or I know nothing, literally nothing, but he comes from a good spot, like wanting to help, wanting to be a part of it. Yeah, he's super down to earth. And I think that like nobody wants to talk about wealth in Minnesota. You feel awkward about it. You know, it's it's an odd thing to discuss. I don't sense that he's the type of guy that's going to shame somebody. He's going to give you a good direction. He's a huge music fan, but he just, I wouldn't have guessed necessarily that it was a financial planner. Right. What we didn't want was a partner that was in financial services that was like really uptight and awkward. So yeah. this is a great fit for uh, the podcast. So go to, what's the website, Brian? 
Uh, the website again, uh, hang on, I was already looking at the legal ID. I don't know if oh, I have yeah, the okay. website right in front of me. Isn't it moxiefinance.com? Or moxiewealthmanagement.com. There, Dude, yeah, use you your Google. It. Use your Google and that will get you but there. But Moxie, M-O-X-I-E, for whatever reason, it's not on this page. I'll have, oh, well, hang on, let's hear this. Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor, representative of Security and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. I'm going to have to jot down that website. I don't have it on there. Dude, that was that was lot, all that man. underwater swimming you did as a youth. Mm. Man, did he get through that quickly. Woof. Well, that's the job with the legalese, right? Yeah, but anyway, thanks to Moxie and the whole team over there for coming on board. And Joe, thanks for joining us last week. Joining us this week, we have a f- name very familiar to anybody who spent any real time in the Twin Cities over the last... Oh, I don't want to age him inappropriately, but let's say 25, 30 years. We're going to be talking to Dylan Hicks just ahead. But first, I want to get a quick song in here. This past weekend was the first of two international tributes to Taylor Hawkins, drummer from yes. the Foo Fighters. Oh. Uh, and it was incredible. I unfortunately yep. was out at the State Fair the entire weekend, but I did watch a lot of the highlights afterwards. And the amount of motion pouring out there and the amount of love and respect from his peers, it was it was really very moving. There's another one coming up at the very end of the month in Los Angeles, by the way, which has an equally brilliant and broad spectrum of people showing up to perform. One of my favorites, uh, Josh Ami, Queens of the Stone Age, showed up, and he got together with John Paul Jones mm. of Led Zeppelin fame and Dave Grohl. The three of them formed the sort of side project supergroup, Them Crooked Vultures. They had not played live in 12 years, and they played a Them Crooked Vultures song, but they also played this particular track right here that Queens of the Stone Age uh, gave to that uh, Elton John compilation called Revamp a few years ago, and they performed this live, and, well, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. When are you gonna come down? When are you going to land? I should have stayed on the farm. I should have listened to my old Very close. Maybe you can 
queens of the Stone Age on the Brian Oak Show, a phrase that you would have expected to hear far more times in 269 episodes than we've heard so far, although we've heard it occasionally. Uh, by the way, I felt like a complete ass earlier. We mel- welcome on board, and I don't even have their... Um, uh, website address in front of me, Moxie Wealth Management, all one word, no breaks in there, dot com. Get a hold of the team over there if you've decided that, you know what, maybe I should start thinking about my financial future. Yeah, or if you haven't heard from your financial planner in two and a half years. Might be a good idea to find someone better. <laughs> yes. I'm Brian, that's Sean, and we're joined now by a man who I've crossed paths with many times over, well, frankly, too many years. I don't want to age either of us too much. Dylan Hicks is a I don't know. Is it too much to say? Local legend, born in Austin, he's lived here since I'm 1983. Real. Not like Paul Bunyan. Well, no, but, but I wouldn't call. I call Paul Bunyan a legend, but not a living legend. No, that's true. Right? Yeah. Uh, Wait, you Paul's a, dead? Yeah. No, no, no. He'll live for. You know that all the Paul lakes in our dead. state were made by Babe the Blue Ox's hooves, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know that he, they used to make pancakes so big for Paul Bunyan that the chefs would have to put sticks of butter on the bottom of their shoes as skates to go around the pan to make those cookies. Yes. Yes, they do know that, too. Next week, we'll talk about Pecos Bill. (laughs) Anyway, um, Dylan Hicks uh, is a local musician and writer and much more. He's got a brand new record out, Airport Sparrows, uh, also uh, Accidental Birds, and he's part of a collective with another dear friend of our program and a guy who I've found fascinating since the first day I've met him, John Munson, the Munson Mm -hmm. Hicks Party Supplies, a collection of your songs, mostly sung by John, and you're also an author. You have written full-blown novels and... And you have done criticism, essays, articles for a wide array of, um, well, relatively familiar outlets like the yeah. New York Times, the Village Voice, the New England Review, the Paris Review, Daily, Slate, and many other publications. But I haven't seen your face in a long time. Hello. No, it's been a while, yeah. How are you, Dylan? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Good. good man. Well, for, for people who, Dylan Hicks is not a household name, too, we got to just do a little bit of backtracking. Mm-hmm. First time on the show, we always got to learn about you. Born in Austin, lived here since... Since you were in your young teens, what prompted the family move from Austin to Minnesota? Well, there was a little bit of, so it's Austin, Texas. I was born in, um, and, but I don't have memories from there. Uh, my parents, uh, were kind of counterculture types moving around a lot. They divorced. Uh, I spent some of my boyhood in Minot, North Dakota. Yeah. Why not Minot? Well, mm-hmm. I, I've been through Minot. I Pre- used to take the train out west every yeah, year and you go right through Minot. When you say, if we can just stop for one second, when you yeah. say pretty counterculture, like, like, hippies. like, like, okay, hippie's fine, but I mean, like, like growing up in a commune hippie? No. Or just a, like kind of a dingy apartment hippie? <laughs> Dude, as a hippie myself, yeah. I, I lived in all those apartments. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't remember those okay. days, right. but you know, I mean, they were, uh, if you see pictures, yeah, they're it's stock. They're groovy. It's stock. It's yeah, stock. the bandana. You know, it's like I stock. You know, American. No, I, I, I totally American get it. hippie. I totally get it. So I mean, um, the point is though, you bounced around a little bit before you landed. Yeah, in North Dakota, Idaho, Chicago land. We came here in '83 when I was 12. Okay, but it was great because I was just coming. I was just becoming interested in um, music and becoming more independent in my music taste. You know, right. it was that period. As a little boy, I loved 45s. Just whatever's on the radio that caught my ear, that's what yeah. I wanted on the Kmart and camp. Mama, any money. Little Ernie. You know. <laughs> you know. Croft, April Wine, right, whatever yeah. the case may be. But then there was that period when I was like late grade school when it was a lot of peer pressure. Yeah. Whatever the other kids were listening to. So I was just starting to come out of that and kind of discover things on my own. And then we came to um, 
Minneapolis, and there's just a lot more resources from we were living in you know mid-sized cities, small cities. And I discovered KFAI about two, three months into our time here. And that exposed me to a lot of music. And as it turned out, also, that's where I met my wife, Nina Hale, because she was a, we were both teenage volunteers at KFAI eventually. That's um, wild. Because yeah. I mean, I, and KFAI, I think, is an incredible resource because the number of people I know who have worked with them, for them, and their adherence to their mission statement, you know, I think people think, you know, like all these public radio stations are really struggling and barely hanging on and can barely keep the lights on. NPR, having worked there for quite some time, yeah. is not. They're sitting on a gigantic, smog the desolate size mountain of golden coins over there. <laughs> They're fine. KFAI, if you really want to support an incredible local resource that has survived for decades, yes. KFAI is where you should be putting... It's a cool operation, you, yeah. I mean, again, does it always sound like WKRP in Cincinnati? No, almost <laughs> never. But, that, but that's, that's the charm of a community endeavor, I right? know it didn't when I was a kid. So my first show was a jazz show. Yeah. And um, and what kind of jazz? I mean, that's like saying a rock show. Like it everything. Could be, I mean, I was a teenager, but I was just I had been discovering the music. My dad, he was into stuff in the he was he went to college in the early '60s when jazz was really hip for college. Yeah, yeah. So he was into Sonny Rollins, Miles Davis, you know, mm-hmm. Dave Brubeck, that kind of stuff. I was liberating a lot of those LPs from his collection because the, the LP liberating. was dead. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, take them. You know? Yeah, no, he, <laughs> they're just garbage. Right. <laughs> um, so I was getting into it and reading about it, but it was just everything. But I remember, this is, always haunts me, there's a famous jazz bassist named George Duvivier. It's a French name, but I, I, I was a Spanish student. So, and on bass, up, up right bass, that was George Duvivier. George Duvivier. George <laughs> seven. You couldn't get there. I couldn't get it. No, <laughs> you know, seven. But at any rate, a fine ensemble all around. Exactly. Well, I mean, like, and so that's the thing with jazz records, George right? D. Like, people want to know who all the players are, and you got to write. There you go. See, if only you had the benefit of experience as that teenager. So, did you start playing music before you started getting involved in radio and, and playing music? Well, a little bit. I mean, so. um when I was a little boy, grade school age, I guess, um, I took about a year and a half of piano lessons in Idaho Falls. That was the city we were in before, before Minneapolis mm-hmm. um, with Mrs. Demi. She was a good good teacher, just kind of taking me through some really basic repertoire fingering and just, you know, learning how to play the scales. But the backpacker, I'm not sure if you know that piece. I, re- I, <laughs> I did pretty well in the recital in Idaho Falls. It's <laughs> not a big deal. I'm just saying. I'm not sure if that made the papers here. Well, a, lot, you know? <laughs> a lot of people were talking about it for a long time. That's all I'm saying. But um, <laughs> when we moved from Idaho to Minneapolis, uh, uh, uh. there was a decision about which size U-Haul to bring, to buy, rent, yeah. to rent. I don't, you don't buy a U-Haul. Right, right. I got you. <laughs> you rent it. And uh, my parents thought, you know, if we get this size truck and leave the piano and consign it, it's cheaper. Um, but then the people who they consigned the piano to, well, I think they sold the piano and didn't pay my parents. Oh, which is, a, I think the word for that is stealing. I it think is. that's actual theft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's not, it wasn't a valuable piano. So it's not like, oh, we're going to go after them with all the but lawyers. It's still, a, it's still a piano, right? I right. mean, it's not like it's a, it's a plastic ukulele. Yeah. No, it was a, a bummer, but right. I mean, like it was like probably more expensive to deal with it. So, but my, I, so that's what the end of my piano days in the early days but my, my stepdad, he was, remember, up with people? Yep. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't believe, so I work at a record store, right? Yeah. Uh, and I have this this fetish for collecting these records that represent intersections of music and pop culture. Yeah. So I will buy the McDonald's record. I will buy yep. the Tupperware okay. record. And I own 
two fully autographed up with people. Oh, do you have the one that Glenn Close is on? I'm going to have to take a look now because I didn't realize Glenn Close was (laughs) up with people. She was in in the with me right now. Wow. Really? Now, there were many chapters, but there were many. the recording, like the the A, yeah. the A team that made the <laughs> records. Glenn Close was one of the original members. Because Up With People was one of those brilliant strategies where you didn't really have to have a band there. You didn't have to have the singers there. A large array of dancing, a huge spectacle. Yeah. But notably, they were the halftime entertainment. Oh, yeah. More than once. Oh, like eight times yeah. at the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, they were. The, okay, so yes, I do remember Okay, up with so people. he was in like the Colorado chapter of Up With People, played guitar and sang. And so growing up, he had this old harmony... Um, like dreadnought-sized acoustic guitar um, from the 60s. And he's a pretty good amateur guitarist, you know. And um, so that was kicking around. I didn't know that you could adjust the action on guitars. This thing was a dobro. I mean, for like for a 14-year-old, it's like the strings were about five five and a half inches from the, you know, really hard to play. fingers bleeding right away. Swinging with three bats, you know. Uh But I did learn some guitars from like the Mill Bay chord books, you know. Mm-hmm. So just enough to start well. writing songs, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then later in life, kind of returned to the piano, mainly because my fingers aren't huge. And I found there was some stuff I could do on the piano I couldn't do on the guitar. And then I really couldn't afford the better piano players. <laughs> I think I'll just do it. Take care of your own business. Exactly. We're talking to Dylan Hicks. And before we go any further into your spectral odyssey yeah. across your life and through the music that you've learned to create. And I want to talk about your writing, too. Yeah. We should hear a song of yours. This is off of your latest effort. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the record, when it came out where everybody can find it, and why you picked this song to go with first. All right, cool. Well, the record just came out September 2nd, so I think that's last Friday. Or, yeah, we yeah, could go. We could go. Yeah. Um, so this is with a group called, they were calling Dylan Hicks and Small Screen, so it's a six-piece group, the biggest group I've ever played with as a sort of a group. So it's got Chris Thompson on saxophones, and he plays synthesizer and other reed type stuff. Michelle it's, Kinney on cello. Mm, Zach Harris guitar. Love the cello. Yeah. I oh, I know Zach Harris, too. Oh, he's great. I used yeah. to do improv with his wife. Oh, Sam, yeah. Yep, Sam's great. She's amazing, too. Yeah. <laughs> I play piano and guitar. True. And um, no, it's cool because there are a couple of improvisers because he's mostly a jazz guy. Yeah. She's yeah. an improvis- yeah. improvisational comic. Um, and then um, Peter Hennig on drums and Charlie Lincoln on bass. Anyway. Before you go yeah, into yeah, yeah. this, though, so yeah. give me the name of the record. Airport Sparrows. Airport Sparrows. Now, you talk about this being the biggest combo you've ever played with before. Was that a comfortable transition, or did that require you to do some stretching or leaning or growing that you hadn't done before? Well, it's I don't, it's fun because I can sort of I can sort of write some melodic parts to, to dole out to different people, you know? And uh, everybody, so it's really harmonious socially, and everybody has ideas. So I try to bring in something complete. But it gets transformed with the group. So I feel like there's a lot of color to work with, with all these different sounds. Fabulous. I really love it. I really love it. So this tune is just a little groovier than some of the other ones. Um, so I thought maybe we'd start with that. Tone for all my 
from Dylan Hicks and... Small Screen. Small Screen. Thank you very much. I will get it down. It's just new to me, right? Yeah. And my memory's I've terrible. 3,000 band names. And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that particular song is called? The Weather on Your Side. And it was very groovy. You were right. I mean, you said this is one of the groovier songs yeah. on the record. It was cool. It had a nice combo feel to it. It sounds like you have a big full band going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, with that one, we allowed ourselves a few, the saxophone overdubbed part otherwise we did most of this thing live even my singing which is kind of a new thing for me really so you didn't track it separately you played and sang yeah all about two or three songs okay but i mean still that's that's exciting it was kind of scary i mean it's normal in some styles but i hadn't done a lot of that you know 
there were a couple times when we got to a part where like, like, okay, I know my high note is a G, G four, right. G above middle C. A couple times I said, I'm not going to sing that bar. I'm going to overdub that because if I don't hit it, yeah, it's going to sound not good. Yeah, but it's going to make it way easier to go out and play these songs live because you played them live in the well, recording. All, yeah, and also it did build my confidence a bit. So I was like, oh, actually, I sound fine without pitch correction and without overdubs. And also the players can hear the song yes. while they're playing. Mm-hmm. So it's vibe, more of a, like, we are playing the song together. We're not, like, building it piece by piece. Yeah. So but one, like of the, that. one of the things we talk to musicians about all the time on this podcast is the live experience versus the studio experience. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to necessarily be that far divorced, but like you were stating, generally they are. Generally things are tracked individually, mm-hmm. and then yeah. we sit down and we meticulously Frankenstein it together right, until yeah. we feel like we've found the thing as close to what our vision was in our head. Right. But then there's also that sort of mercurial sorcery energy that happens when you play live and it's not always going to be perfect but man right. when you hit the pocket it's still got to be a great feeling right yeah yeah that's true i mean i and i let the the, the sort of overdub building piecemeal thing can be great too a lot of my favorite records are made that way mm-hmm. but yeah there's something about being in the moment that with other people it's this you know not to get too hippy dippy but it is this you know i guess you know my roots now but the uh <laughs> you know that that sort of non-verbal communication you're having with other musicians and you know the little bit of anxiety coupled with you know happiness you you never know yeah i love it you know feeding off each other yeah you know and yeah especially if the audience is i i I love a really engaged audience Mm -hmm. or a completely indifferent one because then uh, that doesn't have, so do then you, you can do, just play yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, say, yeah, yeah. do you, you see play? that as a challenge like i'm gonna get these mother it bleepers. depends like no once in a while i'll do an event it's like that that's not they're not here to listen to a band yeah, they're right, here to yeah. socialize right then we can just kind of play it's the hard the challenge is always like a half totally engaged audience <laughs> yeah. and right. a half totally indifferent <laughs> yep. and they're fighting each other yes, oh, yes. <laughs> that's these the people hard here talking their ass off oh, and these people yeah. are so annoying <laughs> Speaking of the live experience, uh, I want to talk about what the future looks like for you for live music in one moment, Dylan. First, I'm turning my attention to my friend, Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. Oh, hello, Brian. How are you? Oh, not bad. How are you, Brian? I know that you've had an interesting week, and so I I want to make this painless on you. I would like you to tell me a little bit about the other job you have, the side hustle that you do, which is your real estate work with the Dino Realty at the 50th in France location, Howard Tricks. They're good. It's actually surprisingly busy right now because I think a lot of people think that because the rates went up a little bit that everything's ended and real estate is dead. And it's not the case. If you wanted to buy a house or sell your house and you've been planning it for a year, you're probably still going to buy or sell. Right. Um, and I've said that what's probably not going to happen, though, is you're probably not going to get that extra forty grand over asking for your house. Mm. But on the other side, you're probably not going to have to go buy a house for forty grand over asking. It almost tell, it yeah. sounds like you're telling me that the universe seeks a balance. Like I am. You can pay more. I did the same at, at that last boom. What did that have been about? Two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, we sold a house for more than twice what we paid yeah. for it. And so what did we do? Were we were we smart about it? No. We went and bought a house that cost three times the original house we bought because we're like, yeah. houses will never lose money. I do not suggest that for anybody. No? I always find out what Are they qualify sure? for. I said, all right, now let's take that down quite a bit yeah. for what you can really afford. Look at all your expenses. Uh, the thing that I'm going to continue to do, it started with the pandemic, but I started donating a portion of every buy and sell to local artists and musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm proud to say now I've donated thousands of dollars to area musicians and bands. 
um, to help them through tough times. And I just decided, let's keep it going because it's the right thing to do. Music has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of these local bands have given me, God, just so many great times. So 612-859-2594. That number is also textable. Right now? Uh, not right now, but don't let me forget, before we wrap up the show, we have to talk about her Patreon event one more time. Yes, we do. Yes, okay. we do. But we'll bring that up yep. very shortly. Sounds good. We're talking right now to Dylan Hicks about Airport Sparrows, his latest release. It's been out for a week as of today, September 9th, 2022. And what I want to know is a lot of times, and now, and, and obviously... The bigger the party, the more moving parts, the more complex it can be to have the whole world fall into place. But I'm guessing that since you've got a brand new full length out, there are likely, hopefully, live dates in your not-too-distant future? Yeah. So the main one I'm plugging now, we just played last night, and the next one is sort of the bigger show. It's Saturday, October 29th Mm -hmm. at the Cedar Cultural Center. That's cool. Halloween, man. Are you ready for that? It's more or less Halloween. I mean, I don't think it's Halloween. I mean, it's not Halloween weekend. But is, is that a, is that a Saturday it, night? Yeah, it's the most Halloween day of the week. I mean, right. <laughs> I, all I'm telling you is you are going to have people showing up as a sexy and race car driver. We're doing it as a cope. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it as a cope with Abby Wolf and Eric Mason. And I didn't Fabulous. know this before, but Abby is really into Halloween. Oh really? boy! So yeah, see, me too. Um, I love it. Yeah, so like she's that. probably going to be in costume. Now I feel like, like, I I'm like really fuss not right today but i'm usually pretty fussy about my clothes so yeah. like i always feel like i'm already in costume well oh you know like yeah um, but i mean but halloween's different you're trying to conjure yeah the, the i other, just the don't know world. i don't know what i'm gonna do you know, you know I, you, okay here's what I, I bet you could get a pass on not tr- dressing up in a costume back in the er, late 50s to the early 60s every doo-wop group every early rock group uh, and even into the garage era they all had like because the halloween novelty song became such a huge factor over the course of those years yeah. grab one of those old like drax back or something just throw one into the set man it's a, it, it will not kill the yeah. cool factor and i bet abby wolf will be like i've never seen anything that cool in my entire well, life I, maybe you know i mean i used to get i thought about skippy from family ties he was the neighbor yeah i am a, i am friends with skippy this the is actor? a true story. Yeah, Mark Price. Mark Price, yes. Yeah. So, well, we don't really resemble each other anymore, right. but when we... <laughs> what are you doing go, to When I was young, <laughs> when that show was on, people thought I looked a lot like Mark Price. We don't look like each no, other now. No, you don't. No, not at all. But back yeah. then, yeah. we did, I guess. He does stand-up. That's how I know him. But. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't want to derail this, but how the hell do you know Skippy? Uh, through a mutual friend. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and then he wanted to come to town, but... Um, I like the idea of you doing like a combination of Dracula and then you mentioned Eddie Money, RIP. Yeah. Kind of a combo Dracula, Eddie Money. I like it. It could work. It could work. <laughs> the, 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 the one I, I get a lot is that. Andy Warhol. You look just like Andy Warhol. Oh, God. That's going to get flattering, annoying. But it's yeah. like, that was a wig. Yeah. This yeah, is my exactly. actual hair. Exactly. <laughs> Real deal. Tug it. Tug it. <laughs> We're talking to Dylan Hicks. I want to hear another one off the new record and I okay. want to hear why you like this one too. Well, this is more of a folky tune called I Ain't Forgotten You. It just, it just, it wrote itself really quickly and people seem to respond to it. So I'm going to let them respond. I don't recall the origins of all these scrapes and dents and a present I can name the Secretary Nor all my grade school teachers Though some faces come to mind And everything they taught us I left half of that behind I rarely call on birthdays No one expects me to But I'd love to ring next Wednesday 
show coming up on October 29th at the Cedar Cultural Center over there in my neck of the woods on Franklin and a brand new album called Airport Sparrows. Dylan Hicks is our guest right now uh, in the uh, what do they call them? Smart Start MN Studios yes. on the Brian Oak Show. Thank you. It's Friday, man. I really start to lose the thread by the end of the week, but I think I can hang on for another 15, 20 minutes. Are you with me, Dylan? I'm, I'm yeah, even 16. What? What? Uh, <laughs> what? I'm certain that you have crossed paths with him literally dozens, if not hundreds of times over the last 30 plus years. At what point do you and John Munson decide you are going to make your own duo combo party supplies? Well, let's see. So we did cross paths, but not, we weren't exactly chums, you know, but we definitely, you know, cross paths. And um, I just approached him about producing a record I made called Add Out. I don't know when that was, 2016. We worked on that together. I hadn't worked with a producer, producer, really, since my very first record. And um, so we did that together and really had a lot of fun collaborating. A couple times he would go in and sing a backing vocal on one of my 
songs. And I was like, oh, it'd be fun to just write a bunch of songs for John to sing lead on because I was, I was digging how it was sounding. So it, in the interim, we started working on a musical. People are doing that, right? <laughs> and uh, I think they have been for hundreds yeah, of just years. On the of yeah, no, I, I don't mean they just started doing that. But right, yeah. right, right. I got to say, eventually I sort of, um, I a little burned out and I wasn't sure if it was quite my form and I, I kind of wanted to back burner that, but I didn't want to lose what we had. We, we had some songs that, that I had contributed that I thought were pretty autonomous. You could listen to them outside of the show. In fact, they hardly related to the show at all. <laughs> there might've been some problems that's there. That's, that's another way to put it. You know, okay. you, you know, that's another okay. way to put it. Um, Look, self-realization is the first step to not releasing a bad musical. Yeah, band. right. Yeah, so we had a couple of tunes that way, and then I just wrote a bunch much more, and we put it together with Zach Harris, who's also on this record, Richard Minnick, great drummer, and then we brought in a lot of lot of guests, you know. Um, oh, heck, I mean, Jeremy Ilvesucker's on it, and um, uh, Kelly bad. Hogan, the great singer, <laughs> is on it. Nor, you know, Nora O'Connor, they both sing um, on it. and Oh, anyway. So we just, that was kind of how that came about. And it just happened that we were mixing right as the pandemic was beginning. Mm-hmm. So it turned out to be a pandemic. We had finished it, but it came out early months of the pandemic, which was disappointing. You know, we had hoped for a bigger show in front oh, of yeah. people. But at the same time, it was kind of that early stage when people were kind of hungry for music and uh, we had some. And there you go. It sounds like a, a perfectly balanced equation. I love it. The mathematics are perfect. Yeah. When you talk about getting out, uh, the pandemic shutting everything down, Sean and I had the misfortune, uh, although I do love doing this, but we had the misfortune of starting this podcast and right before the pandemic really started to rear its ugly head. And we got yeah. a couple months under our belts and didn't really know exactly what we were doing. And then suddenly everything changed. And our goal from the very beginning was at least once a month, maybe once every six weeks, do a Patreon members campaign because we had so many people jump on Patreon immediately to get us off the ground. Without them, we don't have the Smart Start MN Studios. We don't have the equipment we have. If we don't have the support of audio equip, you know, we've been so fortunate in so many ways. And then the pandemic literally made that impossible. But now we're finally coming back. And Sean, out there hustling every day on these streets. Unbelievable. Just set up our next Patreon event, when and where? Uh, It is Thursday, September 22nd. And we're going to do Doors at 6, show at 6.30. Tasty. And you'll be leaving the venue at Hook and Ladder by 8 p.m. So Trailer Trash will be there. Our good friend Nate wrangled everybody and uh they're going to do that show it's going to be so much fun and as i said on my email or not on my facebook post you'll be home in time for madlock i I I love this transition like when you know we were younger it's like are y'all ready (laughs) to play all night (laughs) yeah exactly and we're like yeah all night long you know and now we're like 3 30 where are we going i didn't even go out till 10 you will you will be home by 8 50 exactly right it's so changed hasn't it i love it so much my buddy matt nathanson came into town a week and a half ago and he had to do a matinee show because the evening show sold out i went in at 2 30 i was out the door before five i was at home and in bed before for seven o'clock Pretty and it soon, was glorious they will come to us they'll just they'll just wheel us into a room yep. fine <laughs> or just wire me in so i can experience it yeah. through the matrix or meta yeah. or whatever dylan i want to ask you a question music obviously a big part of your life you enjoyed radio yeah at what point did you presume the audacity that you could actually be a novelist well okay so <laughs> can i go back a little bit not too For far sure. as far no, as you want. Just, 
No, so, I will, I, as long as it informs the answer to my will. very yeah. searing question. So yes. when I was a teenager, I loved music and I did play a little bit, but I thought I was going to be like a music critic or a scholar or I don't know, a musicologist because I wasn't like a dazzlingly proficient, you know, prodigious player. Right, right. <laughs> Besides the backpack that was... Yeah, the backpacker. I mean, of course, that was a that was a well, that was brilliant. They're still talking. We're still t- we're talking about it. Low these many years later, right? That was who knows where that came from. You just you know who knows. I love it, but um, no. So and then I started playing music. Just kind of it kind of happened. I, I put out this little cassette with some friends and blah blah blah. And then I found when I was about thirty that well, the music just it wasn't. I wasn't professionalizing it in the means of like, you know, it doesn't pay my... Right. No, yeah. You, you weren't monetizing it and monetizing. maximizing your brand. Yeah. So we had a... Uh, and we were getting to have a kid. So that's when I kind of moved into journalism, which was a kind of an... So I'm not, I'm not like a failed musician who became a critic. I'm a failed critic who became a musician <laughs> and then became a critic and then nice. became a musician. So right. it's a whole cycle of failure. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> and, but and re- that's how we learn. But I was say failures, but failure is important. No, it is important. And actually a lot of, and a lot of modest successes along the way. I, I'm really grateful to, to have been doing all this different stuff. Journalism. I loved it. I love playing with words. I kind of started to become a little more serious about that. That led to writing novels. I don't know if I'll do that again because I love music and I feel really at home again doing this. But I will say that writing and revising and the way that prose writers tend to revise really informed how I write lyrics. Right. It, I, think it made, I think it made my lyrics a lot more careful because you just get to know that, well, that's, your draft is just your draft. You're just going to keep going and going and going and going. When I was younger writing lyrics, I was like, oh, I'm hungry. Well, let me write these lyrics, and then half an hour I can eat, <laughs> and it'll be done. Yeah, and it's finished, right? <laughs> yeah, done. Well, no, and that's what I wanted to ask. You know, I mean, I'm sure that since you bounce back and forth between them, yeah. the way that they've informed one another has probably only gotten more complex. You know, some of my favorite artists, authors, dancers, politicians, whoever yeah. that I've ever talked to, they talk about how the better you get at something the more you realize there is to know. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, there is not, I just need to know these 100 things and I will be the best guitar player that ever lived. Right. It opens in ways you can't imagine before. And then you throw in things like production value. Same thing with writing. The way you decide to display the words or mm. choose the words or right. let the story unfold is, I can't say actually infinite because I haven't done the math, but it's very, very close. And so the better you get at something, the more you wish you could get better at it, I guess yeah, is what I'm I mean, saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly true. I mean, there's just, there's, I know, there's never enough time to discover everything you could discover. Right. I'm always, I'm always sort of disappointed when I meet someone who seems to think they all have it all figured out because I feel like. <laughs> they don't. Well, it's dumb, man. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, just I mean, keep, like, I mean, keep working hard and, and celebrate the success or the knowledge you've gathered so far yeah but you got to keep your mind open to the possibilities right Right. yeah yeah i used to kind of related to that i used to do this thing internally where like once in a while i do like a piano thing where i just play atmospheric piano for an event i still do would do it if you know when someone approaches me but sometimes people come up to me after the show and say hey man you're a great player you know and i would compliment them but i'd always think to myself (laughs) Must not have heard of very many piano players. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but, but, wow! But, but, you know, finally, I said, "Like, why are you doing that to yeah, yourself? Yeah, you did something they liked. Yep. You're not a bad piano player, and they dug it. And yeah. so I'm, I've learned, like, you know, because you know, I've heard some really great piano players. I'm like, well, I know I can't do that, uh-huh. but 
what can I do with what I know how to do? You, that's you know? how you know you're a Minnesotan for sure. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you have to uh, be yeah, able to have that internal here, dialogue. Right there, yeah. I know. Well, you're, you're right there. It's sort of that goulash of humility, <laughs> which I find a very charming quality at imposter syndrome, where you're like, right. there's no way I could possibly be any good at this. I'm an idiot. I'm a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Would, just like you said, you must not have heard very many piano players, <laughs> but they enjoyed the moment, didn't they? And, yeah. and why would you rob them of that, right? right exactly. and, why, and why not let a little bit of that light into your heart? And you all always got to be nice when someone gives you a compliment every time because yes. that's that takes some courage just people come up to you and say something nice exactly i you know we so. could probably use a little more of that in the world yeah yeah you know sean well, you look very nice today oh brian i really like that top <laughs> Wait, the robe you mean i thought it was the a robe. robe the robe yeah the robe <laughs> damn it dylan he, you totally caught he me he means he means the mesh half top that i have underneath the robe yeah that top. that's what he's that referring top. to oh, yeah, right yeah. Jeez, dylan. Dylan yes, and. Uh, dylan hicks i'm glad you're back into it and i'm glad you're uh, like you know thriving post-pandemic you got the show coming up on the 25th at 29th the 29th that's right 29th we're gonna have people there on the 25th <laughs> no they'll be there on the 29th tens trust me of people on the wrong oh. date from this show <laughs> nearly nearly four people were outrageously upset at our program just kidding the 29th at the cedar yeah the album is called airport sparrows yeah what is ground zero for people who are like holy crap i'd like to hear dylan hicks music or holy crap i'd like to know where he's going to be or what yeah. he's going to do next is it a website yeah. is it band camp where is it at well there's dylanhicks.com that's my website all right and from there you can go to my band camp site that's where i do a lot of the selling for you people who want palpable objects like cds we've got some lps too. i love the artifact man and I, the I, margins I are the best at band camp so important to mention sorry brian what's no, no problem the margins are the best in band yeah camp, that, so like yeah i mean that, if yeah. you listen to my the new album 500 500 times consecutively yeah it'll be the same as if you bought the cd on Bandcamp. <laughs> so it's up to you it's up I to you <laughs> I don't know if I've listened to Houses of the Holy 500 times. Wow. Man, so that's why I bring that sad up because, yeah. you know, to me, I'm pretty confident, but I think that's more mu- more time to devote to my new record than you ought to. Well, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of great music out there. I like that. Wow. Still some humility in there. Yeah, still, right. Still also a little full. imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. You, you bit, need 350 times, yes. You won't get all the new ones until then. <laughs> right, exactly. Then I think you're done. Exactly. Practice <laughs> creates improvement, and everyone knows it. Um, good luck at the show, and good luck with what the rest of the year contains for hey, you. thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Very nice to have you yeah. on here. Before we go, we do need to remind people that Patreon event is coming up on the 22nd. That is a Thursday. Yeah? It is, and you do need to be a current member and that's oh, yeah. just because people that remember two and a half years ago like we it's going to be a full house it's going to be a lot of fun it's trailer trash it is it's going to be a blast and if but, people want to jump on board between now and then though patreon style you can join us for two dollars a month you can join yeah. us for ten dollars a month it doesn't really matter it just shows that you want us to continue doing what we do we are not trying to gouge anybody neither you nor i have bought a sports boat this no summer. no sports did boat. you buy a sports boat speedboat i did not okay i did yeah. not well, i love the marble fountain you guys installed yeah, well recently here feature, in the studio we find yeah. a water feature to be very soothing though. yeah no okay. it's not a, it's not ostentatious no. it's just it's soothing no i mean it was imported <laughs> we pay to be soothed we're asking you to donate so we can <laughs> none of that is true <laughs> no 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 we just no want no. people to come to our patreon event <laughs> yes, and if you right. like this show and you love it what's two bucks a month you know you can't leave yeah, the house for bass. no that's <laughs> not what i said either thank you patreon members who've stuck with us for those who'd like to learn more, patreon.com slash Brian Oak Show. And for everybody else, Sean will be getting out to you uh, very soon with that email to give you Hello. all the necessary information, or so he says. Uh, thanks to AudioQuip. Thanks to everybody who has ever
ever listened, shared, amplified this show in any way. Thanks to all of our previous guests, Smart Start MN, and also, of course, Moxie Wealth Management. Thank you very much to them yep. for jumping up on board. Can I say one? You yeah. asked me oh, yeah. to pick another tune made by a different artists. Yeah. 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 Uh, this group, The Weather Station, Yeah, right before we started making this record, I heard this record. It's got a lot of different instruments kick, cooking, you know, and horns and stuff, and I... And, I didn't study it super closely, but it was one of the records that made me think, I think I want to put together a six-piece group. So that's yeah. why I picked when, it. Yeah. When was this album up well, by the Weather Station? Uh, 2019 or 20 or something. Okay. Oh, so, but they're a newer band. A newer Canadian band, so, oh, yeah. They're, they're yeah. not like Weather Report, but no, they're Weather Station. I, I like them too. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> Were they like 60s, the Weather Report? Weather Report is 70s like and 80s. groovy 70s and 80s, okay. proggy jazz thing okay. going on there. Yeah, Fusion Pioneers. Well, Wayne Shorter, wasn't it? Joe Zawinall. Fusion pioneers. Yeah. Oh. This is my this is my meat and potatoes. I, I, well, and I'm glad that, I was I'm glad that, that kid. You right. <laughs> Actually, it's a oh. sharp nine. I think <laughs> it's funny you should bring that up because hard bop didn't really evolve until yeah no you're that oh, kid. Boy. All right, very good. So go. one last time before yeah. we hear the song, Dylan. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for and having us, Dylan. The weather station and the song is called Robber. Uh, Robber. Yeah. Everything I took was gone 